Hello and welcome to our podcast. We're calling it The Hunch because we believe you get the best ideas from people when they're relaxed, when they're with friends. And rather than giving you the corporate line, they give you their best guess, their gut feeling, their hunch. I'm Mark Schmid, and in each episode, I'll be talking to someone who can give us the lowdown on something that will transform their sector, our society, or even our everyday lives. In this episode with Sasha Watson, the People Director of Moonpig, we discuss our employer brand research, and she tells me how the world of work has changed forever and why Gen Z are both the most and the least confident group the workplace has ever seen. So here we are again with The Hunch, and I'm joined today by Sasha Watson, the People Director at Moonpig. And we were very, very fortunate to have Sasha as part of the all-star cast on our panel we recently ran on Young Millennials and Gen Z's Attitudes to Work. And Sasha thrilled the crowd with uh, some really interesting stories about how she is leading um, uh, a business, uh, developing talent and trying to attract talent in these really difficult times. So welcome, Sasha. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. So we're speaking on a very, very uh, cold morning here in December, but we're thinking that uh, this conversation is certainly going to always going to warm me up and also our listeners as well. And we spoke on that panel uh, in November, Sasha, about what Gen Z and young millennials are looking for from their next roles. Um, and I'd just love to get your perspective on that. Yeah, I mean, it's... Um... It's such a, a strange time, isn't it? We've been, we've come out of, you know, the the, the COVID pandemic world. And, you know, I said this at, at the panel that the world and the world of work really has changed forever. So I think all the generations and all of us even are just looking for more. Um there's more flexibility so people want to shape their their day their work time their leave their work location you know they want more flexibility um of course not only just because of cost of living but just because of where the world is people want more i guess i guess more creativity and more value around their compensation so having to be a lot more creative around benefits and and things that you know when I was younger and I I didn't care about things like pension and uh, things like that and I didn't really take a note of what was happening in the world and to our planet whereas I find now um you know the, the generations that are coming up in the workplace are just more hyper aware of all things future so I I see a demand for more around you know, benefits and, and what people get from an employer that's just more holistic in approach. And then I think connected to that is people just want, you know, employers in particular to be more responsible. So there's a lot more questioning and challenging and investigation, not only around diversity and quality and inclusion, there's definitely more demand around how responsible are we around being inclusive of, of everyone. Um, but then there's the more around what impact is our organisation having on the planet or on society or, you know, for customers. 
So I definitely see a massive push um, around, um, you know, that generation and just wanting more, but across those those areas. Mm. Well, that's interesting, isn't it? Because they're two very distinct areas. They want more for themselves, but they also want the business they're going to work for to do more for others. So, so taking that that first one, you know, wanting uh, more flexibility, more benefits, naturally more salary um, and reward. Um, how are businesses adapting to that world where they need to um, provide more than they've used to to their employees? I think that, um, you know, there's the obvious piece around how we rework the budget to try and um, satisfy all those needs. But, you know, their budgets are not finite. So I think businesses are having to make some real tough decisions and prioritise. I mean, what I've seen work really well is giving the power back to the people. So as much as possible, rather than saying, you know, your benefits, for example, are X, Y, Z, as much as possible, giving people maybe the value or credit or choice um, to almost design their own benefits. And so we see and we we have um, in the past had a more flexible approach to our benefits where people, you know, they get a value and then they can buy and shape the benefits that really suit their lifestyle. Uh, and I think that's how businesses are adapting and will need to adapt in the future. For me, it's around providing number one, flexibility, um, and then I guess connected to that around choice. So, you know, what is really important to you in your 20s shifts massively in your 40s. So it's being an employer that can cater to the needs for all the generations and lifestyles and life stages um, so people can create, almost create their own, um, you know, without that being a huge administrative um, horror, because it could be, so you can't be too bespoke. But I think if businesses start from a place of flexibility and choice, they should be able to cater for, for many needs. Mm, mm. And that, that came out loud and clear in, in that research we did, the 1,000 uh, Young Professionals research that we did in November also, where we found that flexibility in work patterns and the opportunity for working remotely, flexible hours, that was the number one reasons to stay with uh, a company. And second was the opportunity for self-development. So, yes, the, the more encompasses a whole range of things, doesn't it? And people want to maximise the time they have with a business. And I think we've all accepted that um, the days of someone signing up for a company um, out of school or university and likely to be there when they collect their carriage clock 25 years later, that's pretty unlikely in most uh, most sectors. Yeah. So while they're with you, they want to learn, grow, obviously be well rewarded. So in terms of... Um, looking at the the kind of role you're in sasha that must have changed hugely over the years and have you found that the 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 kind of talent and hr people teams have had to grow exponentially in order to cope with all of the new things that you have to be seen to do and provide so definitely i mean i think the interesting thing for to, for people functions and, and hr teams um is number 1 you know, the amount of things you think about and services you provide. So, you know, earlier days when HR was personnel, it was quite an operational transactional department that was, you know, some people say hiring and firing, you know, it, that was like the traditional 
perception and sometimes um, role. Um, and of course that has grown and there are some credible people working um, in the industry that have really helped it to grow and merge with so many other disciplines. So now you'll hear people talking about employee experience. Of course, there's a huge amount of people talking about diversity, equality and inclusion. There's a lot of work that people in, in, in my job, you know, look after the workplace and the office and facilities. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I also look after um, communications and our internal events. So the breadth of what we do, um has grown and some of that is because the world of work has grown and developed the needs of businesses have become more diverse especially has as tech you know has superseded so many roles and so many functions Uh, you know so many things that were manual you know they continue to be moved to you know a platform or a piece of tech so as that sort of frees HR teams up you can really start to add value, you know, as human beings and provide services and thoughts and programs that you probably wouldn't have before, you know, around organizational development and design and helping your CEO to think about, do you have the right bench to deliver on a vision? And do we have the right, you know, roles and structure and spans of control, like all those sorts of things that you might not have got to, um, you know, our roles are really changing. And I'm really lucky. Um, and I've met quite a few people that are in my job, but haven't even grown up in HR. And I did not grow up in HR. You know, my I started my career in communications um, and just was really passionate about people and grown. And I think that's another thing that you can say about HR teams is that people are bringing different skills and disciplines yes into the function and therefore what we the value we provide is becoming really diverse and dynamic Mm. and that that communications background you have Sasha clearly gives you um, a great perspective on employer brand and you mentioned earlier that one of the things that people want more of is more information before they decide to commit a portion of their career to you. They want to understand where you stand on a lot of issues. They want to really uh, see that your values align with theirs and it will be a business that they're proud to work for. How important do you see employer brand today? Oh, it's so critical. Number one, you know, so many organisations, especially an organisation like Moonpig that is a tech business you know so we are fighting for talent with some very big and powerful brands that have incredible evps um you know and offer um candidates a lot so you have to really stand out to get great um a players you know to get great individuals um so for me it really is critical I think the piece that I feel very passionate about however is that whatever you are spending your energy creating for the outside is the experience people get when they join you know the number one thing people do is create almost an advertising campaign for their organization that makes it all very shiny and then you know great shop window go inside the store and oh it 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 doesn't match up so I'm very mindful to make sure that, you know, we are quite honest and authentic with what we promise and what we deliver. So Mm. I think it's critical not only for current employees so they have a reason to stay, but to also attract, um, you know, top talent. I think that's a really fascinating way of looking at it. And when you were talking there, it made me think of a practice in in certain uh, sectors um, 
which they call bait and switch, which they sell sell a, a great story to a potential customer. The customer comes in on a long-term contract and only then do they realize that actually all the terms change or it's not quite an attractive offer as they think. Right. Now, that's not the right practice in any sector. But when you're talking about people and your company, what is the point of getting somebody in and in day one, two or three, they realize that actually they've been sold a pup and they're not happy and they're not going to be productive and they've got an opportunity to get out. You can't hold them like you can necessarily a, a customer or a different kind of contract. And why would you want to keep someone who was unhappy? So, yes, creating something that doesn't reflect the reality. Boy, you're going to get exposed real quickly. Oh, I mean, look, the power is in the employees now with you know LinkedIn and, you know, um, all the sorts of online platforms you have. Um People can air dirty laundry really quickly, really publicly. Um, and, you know, it's, companies can't control the message or people like they used to. Um, and I think that's great. It levels up the playing field and it forces people, um, you know, to be a bit more, um, you know, honest. It's fantastic. We've got our own trust pilot, uh, you know, out there to, um, you know, to help everyone to just say, actually, I'm going for an interview. What are people saying about this organization? You know, mm. so I think even if people try and do that, you know, it's it will you'll unravel very quickly. Mm. Mm. And in addition to being able to discover so much more than we were used to be able to about the company you might consider working for, you also, of course, now are connected to so many people from your school, your college, your previous roles through LinkedIn, but also broader social media that almost always there's some sixth degree of separation isn't there you think oh gosh I know I can see that someone worked there that I have some connection with and so you're going to be asking questions of people so as always people are your best advocate and people will always be the ones who say it's a wonderful role but understanding who you are and what you want and how you like to work might not be the right one for you absolutely Absolutely. And yeah, I think that there's so much power in being honest and authentic. And, you know, even even saying, you know what, we're great here, but we're not so great here, but we want to change it. You know, that there's nothing better than having that great, honest conversation with people because you will be found out. Um, and you're right. Yes, you go yes. to LinkedIn and you find someone, you're like, oh my goodness, they know that person. They know that person. Before you know it, you get a whole review of an individual or a company, you know, before you've even started. So it's, yeah, the world has really moved on, on with that. So really important that companies are as authentic as possible. Yeah. And in the research, we found that progression and progression at pace was a really new characteristic of this group, particularly the, the Gen Z group. They they seem like they want to be praised, fed back on, you know, very, very regularly. Is that something you found? Yeah. And I um I said this at the the panel that I find this generation to be the most confident, you know, head fast, sure um, generation around their progression. But then as individuals, the least confident, um, you know, as individuals in, in terms of confident in their skin, confident in their abilities. It's a real tension that I'm seeing. Um, I definitely see the impatience. And I don't know if that is the 
um, the, you know, the prevalence of social media and the fact that, you know, you can learn skills in seven minutes and therefore people think they are experts. I don't know if we just as a nation have become fidgety and impatient, um, but certainly there is such a sense of urgency to to grow and learn, be a manager, be a head of, be a leader, um, you know, grow, grow, grow. And what I always say is whilst I love throwing people the deep end and allowing people to have growth opportunities, I always say, you know, don't climb too fast so that you've got a steady, solid, you know, wealth of experience and knowledge to pull on. And, it's, mm. and you cannot rush that. There's no fast forward, um, you know, quick fix for experience. And mm. and when I try and explain it, I say, you know, experience is what makes your content and capability richer. It means you're going to have a better, richer opinion. You're going to have a broader perspective. You're going to have more pieces of knowledge and examples to pull upon. You know, you can't rush that. Um, you know, we talk about, you know, that zigzag careers and how some people go sideways before they go up. And I really talked to some generations about that, especially Gen Z. Um, and, you know, your research was brilliant in pulling out, you know, the, the pieces around development and the pieces around almost that um, impatience to grow and where that comes from. You know, some really interesting pointers in the research. But I always say to people, of course, grow fast and jump in the deep end, but don't underestimate the value of yourself as an employee and a leader, you know, with gathering some experience. Mm, mm, yeah, I, and I'm just thinking, looking at some of these stats here, 70% um, of Gen Z and younger millennials have experienced extreme stress yeah. or burnout due to their jobs. And from what you're saying, that could very well be linked to that uh, desire to progress so so quickly and almost running before you can walk in some scenarios yeah totally agree and that I mean that stat was I saw that and at first I was like oh goodness and then when I reflected I was like you know what the report that you you've put I mean it's it's actually spot on there is, and I don't know if it's a coincidence around you know being in a pandemic and in a world where people just you know weren't feeling there's a lot of illness but mm -hmm. certainly I feel there there's been a huge huge focus on well-being and mental health in society generally over the past two three years so I don't know if this um, generation is more burnt out or if I think back to my generation where you just had to suck it up and there wasn't much sympathy around feeling exhausted or overworked. You know, I think back to my 20s in uh, agency life and very often, you know, eight or eight days were the norm. Um, and how do we manage that? I don't know. Uh, down the pub sometimes. But mm -hmm. certainly um, I just think we are more aware of our well-being, our mental health, talking about it catching people before they fall um so I don't know if they're more stressed but I certainly like your research suggests see that we are dealing with it better I think in society because we're talking about well-being we're making mm. people more aware of themselves and their, and their health so yes. um yeah it's great that we have you know insights like yours to help us continue the conversation and focus that, that, that's an interesting way of looking at it and certainly yeah we did get plenty of feedback that that said, it's positive, as, as you've put it there, Sasha, is that people are able to talk about this now because 
exactly you know we all remember in days past when you probably were burnt out a little bit but if you'd have talked about that with your colleagues or your bosses they'd have put that down as a, as a weakness or a fallibility and so you'd have just kept it all inside and there was one stat i think it's 50 percent said their jobs adversely affect their mood and well-being regularly mm-hmm. and on the face of it that's not great because we want people to enjoy enjoy their work but then also if you think back you think well well, work is about challenge and work is about you know finding yourself and progressing through difficult situations. You often hopefully become stronger. And so I think probably people have always had tough days at work and, and bad meetings and, and times when you just think on a Sunday, gosh, I wish I didn't have to go in tomorrow. That's kind of part of life. And I think it, it's not surprising that 51% told us that, yes, yeah, sometimes they think their jobs affect their mood. And I guess, as you say, it's just about that balance. If if every day you're feeling bad about your work, then something needs to change. Um, if every month you have a couple of days when you get home and think, gosh, you know what? I wish I was doing something else. We've probably always thought that. <laughs> it's totally normal. Yeah. I think that's totally normal and probably healthy, right? Because you're just acknowledging that actually the world of work sometimes is tough. Um, but but then on the other hand, sometimes you go home, you're like, actually, today I was winning. And I think it's important that people give themselves that time to reflect that just sometimes it's a bit rubbish and that's okay and that's normal. But talk about it, use your network, take care of yourself, give yourself what you need, you know, that's happy and healthy. Um, And I just think we're all healthier um, as a society because we are talking about things more and because we are sharing and because, you know, reports like this remind us um, that actually there is a generation feeling this way and it's it's being more aware and having that power of awareness um, that helps us to think about, okay, how do we take care of each other? How do we take care of that generation? And how do we help them to normalise what we think is normal, but highlight what actually might be a worry? You know, that was super, super handy to, to read and then help help us to reflect, certainly. And leading a, a, a diverse team of, you know, hugely different kind of skills and capabilities uh, like you do, how easy is it now in a in a more flexible and remote world to to pick up on things in terms of individuals morale and just their general well-being because it always used to be in when everyone was in the office five days a week which obviously had its had its uh, problems but also certain areas it's had its benefits you you could kind of as a boss you could pick up couldn't you if, if yeah. a member of the team just wasn't quite on it and you maybe have a chat with them and it might be just a little personal issue or it might be a, a colleague issue or a client or customer issue and and you'd be able to detect it and I guess when we're all on uh, if you're pretty remote or hybrid and you don't see people so much it might be harder to pick those things up do you find that yeah I mean it's a really good um, point that we still have team in person time because we think that's important, but it's not forced. And it is harder to pick up those little nuances. It is harder to think, hmm, even just seeing someone walk down the steps and thinking they don't look right. You know, they don't have that little, that pep in their step. You do lose that. But I think as you get to grow and know people, and I am a very people-focused people director, you can very quickly catch the cues. And because I've now had, you know, two and a bit years of training of seeing my team on a screen uh, and in person, um, 
I think it's about learning from those cues. So what I'd say to people is you, you are going to have to pay more attention and look at people's cues. But also, if, if you're in a job like mine, as you're leading through others, it's helping people to read each other's cues. And also, mm-hmm. lots of people have close friendships, don't they, that aren't even hierarchical. Um so creating that community where people are looking out for each other and still, you know, we still have, um, you know, online quizzes or just coffee chats where we're just sat around chatting via our screens because it's just lovely to still see people without, you know, presenting and formality turn up so you can see the little nuances, but you are spot on. It's harder and probably takes longer to spot people who aren't quite right, but you just have to make that bit more effort to, to read the cues, I think. So for those of us who might not be as practiced as it as it as a as a people director, what are those little because I, I love the thought and I completely agree that you see someone with a spring in your step in the office or you know, a big smile on their face, high five, you know, talk chatting away, e- easy kind of stuff for any of us to pick up. On a Zoom call, what is it you're looking for? Oh, that's such a good question. So it could be, depending on the personality, a simple thing of how much they contribute. Mm. or how much they say or how connected they are you know we all you can see when someone's on the screen but then they're looking down there and they're looking over there and I can spot are you looking at the meeting or are you distracted if you're distracted what could you be distracted on so it is I guess picking up more cues around body language eye contact how connected are they it to the meeting you know are they painted to other things are they contributing what are they saying how are they saying it um gotta sound like a shrink now don't I but um you know it really is just you know if you turn up the dial on you know the the visual and verbal cues sometimes you can notice that someone's just mm. oh they usually say a lot or or not or some people who don't contribute contribute a lot, but, you know, are sat back and looking out of the window, you know, all sorts of little things you can pick up on. It's just checking yeah. them after. I never name and shame. Check them after and say, are you all right? You weren't yourself in that meeting. Yes. And don't take yes for an answer. Yeah. Tell so, me why you're all right or why you're not all right. <laughs> bit of body language. Yeah, you know, I contribute. I guess it's the changes you're picking up on, isn't it? Some people yeah. are have different styles, but if you're a particular style and then you've noticed over the next week you're, you've, you've changed entirely and that's probably uh, a signal. Normally normally you're kind of smiling and joking the next week, you got your camera off and don't say anything, then, yeah, that's a, yeah. a red flag. Yeah, and some people are as simple as that. But, you know, again, some people just might not have anything to say in the meeting. doesn't mean that's something wrong, but I think it's understanding what people's style and they usually are like and if you see changes, mm. making sure they've got support they need. Yeah, and actually, some people talk a lot but don't say anything anyway. So true. Probably like me. Gab, 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 gab. <laughs> oh, I don't think so. I think uh, yeah. If if if, so we, true. If, if you talk a lot and didn't say anything, uh, you'd be good company, but you wouldn't be a great podcast guest. <laughs> okay, fair play. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I, I guess you know what we we like to do uh, with all of our guests, and having one at the end of the year, or, or this is going to go out at the beginning of the year, it's it's perfect. Is we yeah. ask for a hunch, you know, your thought, of what's going to happen in the yeah. future, in one of the areas you've you've spoken about. Oh, um, I mean, I think looking at the 
economy and I mean politics has quietened down a bit in the UK hasn't it um but just looking at the world it's it, we're in a weird place aren't we I think that um if I think about society broadly there's a real there was a real exhaustion this year I feel like everybody was tired um and and energy wasn't as um high as it was and that could be you know two years at home and COVID and illness and sickness um but also I think it was just that general low mood around you know we lost so many people um you know over the past two years so my feeling going into 2023 is I feel like we will all still need to be, um, you know, I guess frugal is the wrong word, but, you know, really thoughtful and reflective of how we invest and how we um, and look at things. But if I think about connecting all of that to the, the people agenda, you know, my hunch is that people are going to be bedding down a bit staying where they are in with employers and just sort of seeing how the, the you know the, the land lies so so I think attrition um will will not continue to increase I think attrition will stabilize um and then therefore it gives HR leaders the opportunity to look at retention strategies etc so if people are sort of laying low and thinking and not wanting to move how can you now look at your attention strategy so that when people see the green shoots and start to go out to look for new roles, they think, actually, I might stay. So that's that's mm-hmm. my hunch. Attrition will stabilise. Therefore, get in there, people leaders, and think about retention. Excellent. And that point about the exhaustion and tiredness, you know, yeah. think about how you can bring the energy back, how you can continue to, to motivate people who may be having a difficult time but if you get the conditions right they'll stay with you and be super productive that's exactly right and yeah and that energy it 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 will it will contribute to so much won't it like productivity engagement well-being happiness creativity innovation you know if you have energy at the at the heart of how you enter the next year um and I'm a massive energy bunny so it, it, it really is at the foundation of so much goodness. Um, but it's just getting yourself prepared. And, you know, you've got to energise the energiser, haven't you? So, yeah, I definitely think that that is going to be at the foundation of a lot of goodness in the next year as well. Well, Sasha, you have energised the hunch for this episode. Thanks Excellent. so much for having you. <laughs> and thank you so much uh, for having me, Mark. It's been an absolute pleasure. To download your free copy of our research that covers Gen Z and millennial attitudes to work and the value of employer brand, visit SimmonsAndSchmidt.com. Thank you for listening. Follow me, Mark Schmid, or our company, Simmons & Schmid, on LinkedIn or Twitter for news of our next episode.